And so let's look at our text this morning, Numbers chapter 13, verses 25 through 33. And leading up to this is the exodus of Israel from being slaves in Egypt. And they are coming up to the edge of the promised land, and they send out spies to go see what it's like. God has promised this land to the nation of Israel, and they are ready to go in conquest to take the land. And this is what the spies, they sent 12 spies, one from each tribe. They come back from from 40 days of spying the land, and this is what uh, takes place starting in verse 25, which says, At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. They brought back word to them, to all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them, We came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there, which are giants, basically. The Amalekites dwell in the land of Negeb. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought, uh, they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who came from the Nephilim, and we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. Amen. This morning I want to preach a sermon I've entitled, Our Perspective. Let's pray. Father God, help us this morning. God, let your spirit, God, minister to each person in this place, Lord, on an individual level, Father, that you would uh, deal with us personally, God, that you would break down the, uh, the walls and barriers within us, Father, that your spirit would speak directly, God, not by my words, God, but by your power alone. In Jesus' name, amen. So we face problems in life, okay? Anybody in life ever faced a problem? Even Nalia should be raising her hand. Even babies have problems. May they may not seem like much to us, but we face problems in life. That's just part of life. There's no way around it. There's nothing we can do about it. And in our text, we see Israel coming to the promised land, but maybe it's not quite what they expected. Perhaps they assumed they were just going to show up. There was going to be nobody around. It was going to be flowing with milk and honey, just like Jesus said, or what God said. And they were going to plant their flag and be like, sweet, let's start building. Maybe they expected it was really just going to be that easy. But as it turned out, it was not going to be that easy. And now they're faced with frightening enemies, powerful armies, Nephilim even. And they're up against a much, much bigger battle than they anticipated. But how many know if you've been saved longer than like, I don't know, two or three weeks, there are very few promises of God, if any, other than salvation itself, 
that come without some contending. The promises of God throughout Scripture, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, salvation you do nothing to earn. But there are many promises of God other than that that require some contending, that require some fighting, some obedience. And this was one of them for the nation of Israel, which is why I think so many people today are living promiseless lives. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understandings. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. But we see here the nation of Israel very much leaning on their own understanding. They came against an enemy that was intimidating, that seemed difficult, that seemed impossible by their own understanding. Because they have lost perspective on why and how they've come this far. You see, if they had maintained perspective, they would remember the parting of the Red Seas. They would remember the miraculous release from the nation of Egypt. They would remember the miracles that God worked all the way through up to this point. But they lost perspective of how they got this far. It was simply and only by the power of God. You see, but for us, sometimes we find ourselves in similar situations. And sure, maybe we're not going up to battle, suited up in armor with swords and spears up against Nephilim. At least I hope not. But we do come against things that look pretty big to us on a day-to-day basis. The spies who brought a bad report in verse 33 from our text says, and they seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers in their sight. We looked like grasshoppers. You guys guys have seen grasshoppers before, right? I didn't bring any to show you, but they're not very big. (laughs) Bad idea. I thought about it, but bad idea. They can be anywhere from, you know, a little itty-bitty to maybe even that big, but at the end of the day, compared to you and I, they're still quite small, right? They, They said, we look like grasshoppers to these guys. We don't stand a chance. It's like us fighting against Andre the Giant or something. You guys remember that guy? You ever feel this way in life? You ever feel this way that your troubles are so big that you feel like you're just a grasshopper compared to what you're facing? My relationship issues are so big. My sickness within my body is so big. My addiction is so big. My money issues are so big. My mental battles are so big. It's interesting. Sometimes our biggest monsters somehow fit inside our head. My sin is so big. I cannot defeat it. See, the reality is we face the same reality that Israel faced, which is some big issues. We might not be literally going up to battle against the Nephilim, (laughs) but we face things that in our mind's eye seem just as big, if not bigger, unconquerable, insurmountable, unable to defeat these things. And these are big issues that the truth is we cannot conquer at least not on our own strength. You see, Israel had no business defeating them on their own. We have no business defeating our biggest battles in life on our own. 
But it is our perspective on these things when we face large battles in our life that is crucial. Because God promises victory for you and I, even in the greatest of fights that we face, when we fight His way. See, Israel, as a whole nation, lost sight of their source of power. They lost sight on what had brought them that far. You see, leading up to this, as I said, they're going through the desert. They're, they're, they're going, and they're going quickly. They're, they're, they're plugging along. They're doing good. Yeah, they had their ups and downs. You read the story. They made some mistakes. They, they, they grumbled against Moses and all this stuff. But now here they are. They've come to the land that God has promised them several times. Listen, you read the story. God promises them time and time again, I'm going to give you this land. Numbers 13, 1 through 2. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each of their tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone a chief among them. Which, listen, if God says... He's going to give it to you. There's no giant too big. There is no battle too fierce. If God has promised it to his children, his children will get it if they go to battle his way. And that's the key. And this is one of many times leading up to this. This wasn't like, like God was like, okay, listen, there's going to be some big guys, but I promise you I'm going to help you out. No, leading up to this time and time again, even long before they ever even started marching towards the promised land, God promised them that land. That's why they call it the promised land. <laughs> it's a catchy name, right? It's the promised land. It's been promised by God. But instead of marching right in and claiming what God had for them, they psyched themselves out. Has ever psyched yourselves out? You ever got really worked up about something that you have to do, that you have to go through, that you have to face, and then you face it, and it's like over with, and you're like, oh, (laughs) that wasn't so bad. If you don't, I don't know, it's like every day of my life, at least one thing gets me like that. They psyched themselves out based off of what they saw in the world instead of listening to what they heard from God. It's like as if God was surprised. What? There's Nephilim there? There's armies? There's fortified walls? I don't know. Of course he knew. God was not surprised by what they found. They may have been, but God was not. It's not like God said, hey, listen, I heard about this land. It's going to be super great. I'm going to give it to you. Then they show up and there's all these armies. And God's like, oh, maybe we can find another land. This is going to be a pretty. No, God did not. He knew what they were up against. If there's anybody who knows what you're up against in life on a day-to-day basis, it's God himself. He's not surprised by your battles. He's not surprised by your enemies. He's not surprised by what's going on in your mind or in your life around you. He knows. But yet he still promises you victory anyway. God knew what was waiting for them in the promised land. But the people in the land were big. And Israel's perspective on those enemies caused them to lose perspective on God and his promises. Do you hear? The the issues that they faced right before them, their perspective of their enemies caused them to lose perspective of God and who he is. And what he's done. And what he's promised he will do. 
Because when God promises victory, He can and He will bring it when we fight the battles His way. You see, after this bad report came back to the people of Israel, the people of Israel, they rebelled against Moses and God. They said, you guys, you brought us out here to die. Why would you do this to us? We wish we were still slaves in Egypt now. They feared the people in the land. They accused Moses and God of betraying them. They then even tried to overthrow Moses so they could say, Let, let's, let's find for ourselves a new leader among the people and find a different land to dwell in. Of course, God being far more powerful than the entire nation of Israel and then some, was able to deal with the entire nation. And he spoke judgment over the nation of Israel. And this is when he, he judged Israel that they would wander in the desert for 40 years. Think about this. This is an iconic story in, in, in the Old Testament is Israel wandering through the desert for 40 years. They didn't have to. It was their disobedience that got them there. The 10 spies who launched the rebellion died of plague and the rest of the nation was set to wander in the desert. Actually, most scholars believe they went in circles. God guided them in circles for 40 years before they could take the promised land. You see, and at this point, the nation of Israel is like, yeah, we messed up. <laughs> they repented before God. They sought forgiveness, but they still were given their punishment for what they had done. But they said, listen, if we could take them yesterday, we can take them today. Let's just go to battle. And Moses and God are like, no, that's not how it works. It's like when your kids say sorry after they've already deliberately disobeyed several times, like, no, you still have to go on timeout. I'm glad you're sorry, but you still have to, you do the crime, you do the time, right? No judge in court has ever said, I'm glad you're feeling remorse, but clink. <laughs> that's how it works, right? We understand that's how it works, and God's justice being higher than ours, of course, is no different. But the nation of Israel said, you know what? Let's go up against them anyway. We believe we could do it yesterday, we can do it today. So they try to go out to battle, and what happens is they get their, their heinies whooped. They lose bad. They come back, and they realize, we need to do this God's way. We didn't do it God's way yesterday, we tried to fight this battle by our own way today, and we've come to realize we need to fight this battle God's way. See, sometimes we face giant battles in life, and we try to handle them by the ways of man rather than the ways of God. But it is God's way that leads to victory. All other ways of life are futile. All other ways of life lead to destruction. It is Christ and Christ alone that leads to life. Just as God promised Israel victory, he has also promised us victory, you and me, if we fight the battles of life his way. He has plans of victory for us over our issues. The trials that we face, my relationship issues are so big, my sickness of my body is killing me, my addictions, my money, my mental battles, sometimes the biggest giants we face fit inside our head. And the biggest battle that we face, my sin, is so big. But when we fight these battles, 
by God's battle plans, then we are fighting, this is the old phrase, we don't fight for victory, we fight from victory. We fight from victory. Why? Because God has already won. We simply just have to get on the right team. We battle these things by God's plan, by being obedient to God, His word, and His structure for our lives. How do we do this? Well, we tend to overcomplicate it, right? We have all these programs, all these things that we do, and I'm not knocking them necessarily, but day-to-day life. If you want victory in day-to-day life, read your Bible every day. Pray every day. Labor in prayer. Be faithful to His bride. Who's His bride? Here we are, the church. That's more than just attending and filling a pew, but serving, tithing, ministering, getting involved in what God is doing. And when we do these things, when we focus on God's way more than our way, we begin to gain perspective in life. Perspective on not how big our issues are, but how big our God is. You see, trusting God didn't make the war that Israel faced smaller. The story goes on, they later marched into the promised land and they took it and they won the battles. Trusting God, listen, this is so important because we think God's going to make everything. No, trusting God didn't make the battle smaller. It empowered them to get victory. The fight was still the same. The enemy was still the same. The circumstances were still the same, but they fought it God's way. And God's way brings victory. The same thing is true for you and I. Trusting God with our lives does not make the battles that we face smaller. It makes them defeatable by the power of God. It makes them look small compared to our God, but the battles themselves do not change. Perhaps Israel, as they said, were grasshoppers in the sight of the giants, but The giants are even less than grasshoppers in the sight of our God. Perhaps we feel like grasshoppers as we stand before these enemies, these battles, these trials that we face. But when we put them into perspective next to our God, they begin to look quite small. What we thought in our life was such a huge thing turns out to be very small in the hands of God. Because when we trust God with the outcome, the battle doesn't look so big anymore. When we trust God with the victory, the battles we face don't seem as difficult anymore. But to trust God with the outcome, we have to try to understand just how big and powerful He is. And I say try because it's impossible. We really can't understand how big and powerful he really is but to be able to trust him we have to try our best to get our tiny little brains to understand just how powerful he is you see we are small we are weak and we face many great challenges in life these challenges left to ourselves are far greater than us and will defeat us but when God is in the picture He changes our perspective, and these things turn out to be a lot smaller than we thought. Israel, 
on their own, they had no business marching into victory against an enemy like this. They proved that themselves the day after, right? When they, they tried to make things right and it didn't go so good. They had no business marching into victory, but it was promised by God. So how big is God? I'm going to do my best to illustrate this. Let's look at that picture from the beginning again. Don't get click happy. You're going to go too far. You're going to spoil some things. There it is. All right. So this is, you guys might have forgot about this already. This is the picture we started off with. If this picture resembles our perspective in life, then we can realize that sometimes we look at things that seem big to us, but they're really not. You see, this picture is the inside of one of these. Go to the next slide. You can see the little swirls up there at the top. See that? That picture is the inside of a violin. I'm standing here. You all thought that was some building or something, and I'm standing here holding it, moving around. This is Noah's Ark, holding all the animals in the whole world on there. No, it's a, I could chuck this across. This is small, right? More specifically, it's not this exact violin. It's rather a 1770 Augustine Chappie taken with a medical laparoscope adapted to a Lumix G9II camera. So if you don't know what that means, I don't either. But they ran a tiny little camera. They ran a tiny little camera into the end to show you what the inside of a violin looks like. That is the exact violin. It looks very similar to this one, as you can see. I'm sure it's far more expensive than this one. You see, our problems in life, as big as they may seem, with the right perspective, when we understand what we're looking at, we can realize that they can all be held in the hand of God himself. That they can all be handled by God himself. There is a lot in life that we cannot handle on our own. But there is nothing too big for God. The ten spies who brought the bad report, they saw giants. But Caleb and Joshua, they were looking higher. They were looking at God. You walk and you face the giants and they're all, oh my goodness, we're never going to stand a chance. Meanwhile, Caleb and Joshua are going, we got this, God. You have to look to something bigger. Because we tend to look at the big things, right? We look at our issues, we look at ourselves in the mirror and go, I'm not, I'm not made for this. And you know what? That might be the truest thing you ever speak to yourself. But when we look at the big issues, we have to look to our big God. The ten spies had an incorrect perspective of how big the people were because they forgot how big God is. But Caleb and Joshua remembered and God is much, much, much larger than anything we face. Our relationships, our sicknesses, our addictions, our money issues, our mental battles, our sins. The Lord is bigger 
than it all. And he can conquer it all. So how big is our God? Psalm 104 verse 2 says, covering about God, covering yourself with light as a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. Think about that. Anybody know how big the heavens are? Well, get ready for some perspective. I got a lot of visuals for you guys today. I hope you like them. Uh, he stretched out the heavens like, like we can't even begin to understand what this is. But let's, let's put into perspective, okay? We all, every day, we face battles. We face problems, and some of them seem insurmountable. But let's figure out just how small we are, just how small our problems are, and just how big God is. Let's play this next video. This is, uh, I'm sure many of you guys have seen something like this before. You don't have to subscribe. Okay, so this is a comparison. If you haven't seen one of these before, it's incredible. This is Earth, of course. And they're going to compare the size of Earth to our sun. And then to other stars throughout the galaxy. Or the universe, actually. We thought New York was big. <laughs> Look at what God has built. Is that it? That's the last one? Okay, so these are stars, okay? Now, you guys don't have to be an astronomer to know this stuff, but stars are pretty much all inside of galaxies, right? Okay, so we have a lot of really cool science and technology and stuff these days. They can look at other galaxies with these insanely big uh, megascopes or whatever they call them. Like, no, megascopes. Like, that's what I'm saying. They're big. <laughs> Go to the next one. This recently came out. This is a 1.5 billion megapixel picture of the Andromeda galaxy. Every single dot you see in this picture is a star. You remember those stars we just looked at in the video before? How big they are compared to Earth? Every single dot in this picture is a star. I'm sure there's probably a couple planets in there too, but they're far smaller than stars as we know. That's a lot of stars. And that's a section of one galaxy. Now go to the next picture. This is another new picture that came out recently. This is what they call a galaxy cluster. Every single dot you see on this picture is a galaxy. Okay, so we went from Earth to the Sun to these massive stars to a picture inside of one galaxy that showed 
I don't even know how many stars. And then now we see what they say is somewhere around 50,000 galaxies in one picture. <laughs> Are you feeling small yet? <laughs> Think about this. Gain some perspective here. And this isn't even all the galaxies. I don't know how they figure this out. I think some of it, they kind of, but they say there's somewhere between 50 billion and 2 trillion galaxies in the universe. They're going to lose count because our Bible says that the universe is ever expanding, which means there's, God's creating more galaxies as we speak. And science has actually proven that to be true. I love it when science proves the Bible right. It's happened a lot. We can talk more about that. Our little planet that feels so big sometimes. It took me 20 minutes to drive here. It feels like a long time, long distance. We drive, come down the hill, coming past Queensgate, and I see all of Pasco all at once. I'm like, man, that is a lot of land right there, just everywhere. But then we look at our earth in perspective to our sun and then to other stars, and then we think all of those stars can fit inside of one galaxy with billions or billions or whatever it is of other stars and that's still just one galaxy with with billions of other galaxies that God created God created all of this and he's much bigger than all of it that should make our situation seem a little bit more manageable in the eyes of God Isaiah chapter 40 verses 21 and 22 says do you not know do you not hear? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. It is its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretched out the heavens like a curtain and spread them like a tent to dwell in. God built all of that with the sound of his voice. Can the God who spoke the universe into existence speak into your life today? Will you let him? Because just as powerful as he is, just as much as he can basically do whatever he wants, he still won't. He waits for us to call upon his name. See, we can believe the lies about the problems that we face being too big for God. It's simply not true. We can fall prey to the lies that our problems don't matter to God. Okay, we might think, listen, we know God's huge. Look at that. I believe what you just said. But God doesn't care about my problems. Yeah, he can maybe do something about my problems, but he doesn't care about my problems. That is also simply not true. Isaiah 41 verse 10, God himself says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. The God who created the heavens, the earth, the stars, the galaxies, the universe itself cares specifically about your life. Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, speaking of Jesus Christ, says, Jesus Christ, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself 
by becoming obedient to the point of death, even on a cross. You see, the God who spoke, go back to the last slide. The God who spoke all of that into existence, and then some, by the power of his voice, chose to reduce himself to the likeness of man like you and I. To die on a cross, a humiliating death. So that he could defeat for you your greatest battle against sin. Romans 5.8 says that, But God showed his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We may feel like grasshoppers in the eyes of our battles, the things that we face, our relationship issues, our sicknesses, our addiction, our money, our mental battles, and most importantly, our sin. But when we shift our perspective, our focus, our mindset off of the enemy that looks so big, and onto the God who created us and everything around us is when we will experience victory over the biggest battles of our lives, over the greatest things that we face. Because ultimately, they are all incomparable to the might and power of our God. Even our biggest of issues in all actuality are really quite small compared to him. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning.